to introduce this episode because we have two two co-hosts on the on the line today um steve mcgarry how you doing man i'm doing great man it's it's good to be here and uh with you especially because we haven't gotten a chance to sit down and and chat there's a ton of movement going on in the space a lot of activity good and bad activity taking place in the crypto land but yeah I, i'm excited to get to catch up yeah, I know we don't we don't get to talk uh, nearly enough these days. Obviously, we've had some personnel changes here at Divi, and I know you're super busy um, setting up a ton of stuff um, mm-hmm. with with NFTs and with your meetups. So, but I'm I'm always glad to see friends doing really well. So, but I'm glad to connect as well. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I think it was was it 2018 when you and I first met, or 20, 2017 when we were in Vegas. And yeah. we first like kicked it off and started hanging out. Boy, the scene was very different uh, back then. Doesn't <laughs> it? It feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Actually, it was probably four years ago, maybe five. But man, it, it, things have changed quite a bit. I know it's it's remarkable. I mean, you've seen we've seen like this crazy divergence, right? Like we were all on this like decentralized path. And now there's like huge custodial plays happening and there's huge decentralized finance plays happening. Um, And there's, you know, of course, a bunch of different perspectives on those things, but um, it's just all an evolution of the industry. And it's all, you know, aiming toward this like mature, relevant industry. And I think people are taking notice no matter what camp you're in. So uh, right before the show, we were talking a little bit about, you know, how to, how to structure our catch up here. And I think as this is, you know, the, the Divi crypto podcast, uh, legendary, I might say legendary crypto podcast here. Uh, (laughs) Let's, let's hear a little bit about Divi now that, you know, you've had some personnel changes, you're the CEO, uh, you guys have some exciting things going on. Let's hear where you guys are at. Yeah. So Basically, right after Bitcoin Miami, um, Bitcoin 2021, whatever it was called, we all met in Puerto Rico, all the execs, the whole board of directors for Divi Labs, which is the for-profit entity for Divi. And we all kind of came to the same decision. Actually, Jeff was kind of the one that brought it up to have me take over as CEO. He would retain his position as chairman of the board, of course. He's still involved with the project um, and he's building a bunch of use cases for Divi, which is awesome. but somebody needed to be on in the trenches kind of, you know, uh, running the day to day, you know, I was appointed basically, uh, the whole board and all the executives kind of agreed that, you know, due to my history with the company, um, and sort of the way that things have grown over the past four years, it made a lot of sense and it's been great. I mean, the team has grown, um, we've grown really strong as well. And we have restructured uh, a lot of the legal, framework so that we're, you know, fully decentralized. Now we look really good from a legal perspective and we're, you know, positioned really well to actually raise this, uh, the series a round that we're in the middle of at the moment, um, and start to execute on some, some of the larger partnerships and, um, and opportunities that, you know, we just, we just couldn't access before. Nice. Yeah. I think that the, you know, having met you when Divi was very new, 
and hearing you pitch it and everything like that, it was always kind of a, uh, a telltale sign that you were passionate about it and you were willing to grind. So I think it is a natural progression, I feel like, and I'm glad that everybody's still excited and, uh, you know, helping with strategy and everything like that. And, um, that's always, always cool. So how's the wallet going? I know, you know, I follow closely, obviously, uh, you know, interviewing people on the show and whatnot, and people will talk about it, but how, how are things going with the wallet? The wallet is awesome. You know, we obviously launched it earlier this year, um, with some of the more bespoke features, so to speak, you know, Mochi, our, our master node installer, and now it has staking vaults in it. So you can stake with, I mean, you can stake with one Divi. So it's super accessible. Um, and of course it's from your cell phone, which makes it even more easy to use and accessible to, to more people. And we're seeing a ton of people move into the staking vaults. Um, I think we have almost a billion coins now in staking vaults, which is, which is crazy, but obviously, you know, this is just the first step. We have some of the more, um, basic features that still need to roll out, which like, uh, which we'll start to see early in, in the next year, which is fiat on ramp crypto swaps. What, what's cool about the crypto swaps though, is that that's like a prerequisite for our DeFi, um, initiative. So you'll actually be able to swap for the, um, the DeFi coins or tokens, I should say, right in the wallet. Um, and then start playing around in, in that space. Obviously, you know, just doing DeFi wouldn't be enough for, for us. We have to make it as easy as possible. So I'm really excited to see how that starts to, to unfold here in the next few months. Yeah. And I, I, I've had quite a few friends of mine uh, when I went to NFT NYC and we'll transfer into NFTs in, in a minute. Uh, but I, I had a few friends of mine reach out about DeFi. They were like, hey, I've heard about this thing. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's called DeFi. It has something to do with banks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I, I met with a couple buddies of mine um, in New York when I was there and talked about the Divi wallet, talked about DeFi and talked about staking and talked about just the concepts around this creation of cash flows that's completely decentralized. And there was a lot of blank stares, <laughs> I'll, I'll say, <laughs> like a lot of of misunderstanding and trying to understand it. But the interest is there and, and I can see it. I can see people that are our age on Wall Street in traditional finance. They know about it, but they're just eager to get involved in something. And that was why I've always been interested in the simplicity around Divi and just kind of trying to lower that barrier to entry. And yeah, I think it's it's great that people are moving into the vaults. Super excited to see more on that and a lot more on the staking. I get the notifications when things are um, on the, what was it? I, I was on test flight. So I get the those pings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those notifications regularly. It's always fun. So uh, yeah, we can, uh, I just wanted to do that quick update for everybody and myself included, because I was eager to understand more, but I, I want to talk about crypto moon boys and the NFT project you were involved. And then I, I want to kind of mention some of the NFT stuff that I've been seeing and we could talk about the trend right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously NFTs, they had a little bit of a rut there, um, which was actually turned into one of the best opportunities I've seen in a while. Um, mm -hmm. If you were if you were smart about picking the right ones, um, at least on on Ethereum right now, I'm happy to say I I picked up a, a mutant ape during that during that 
pull back. But yeah, Crypto Moon Boys, awesome project with this guy, um, Darren, who's behind Graffiti Kings. He's the only licensed graffiti artist in the UK. So he does all the big murals for like Shape of Water and all the big movies, Hollywood movies and stuff that come out. Um, but more than that, he started off as a vandal, you know, tagging up walls and stuff. But he soon learned that he could help kids actually come off the streets by teaching them art. So that's like a big part of his whole um, scope of work. Like all the, a lot of the money he makes goes toward the initiatives that teach kids, you know, arts and crafts um, in the cities, in the inner cities of, of London and stuff like that, uh, which I thought was really remarkable. And just a cooler part of the story, more so than just like, oh, he does cool graffiti, you know. Um, so he he tapped me uh, to actually work on a toy. Um, I have some manufacturing connections through another business that I'm invested in. And um, so we started working on the toy and he's like, oh, we should do an NFT with it. You know, like this physical backed NFT, which I was super down for. And um, and so we developed the, the Crypto Moon Boys on wax and it went really well. I mean, I've never thought it would go as well as it did we sold 5,000 nfts for 50 bucks a piece on wax which is like unheard of um which kicked everything off you know that his community is super dedicated to his work um and we're looking at doing a, another drop on eth here soon just kind of waiting for these gas fees to subside a little bit um make it a little bit more fair to get in and we'll do more toys and there's a game that just went into development so uh, it's a play to earn fighting game. It's really cool. Kind of like Pokemon. Um, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's one of the few people I know that grinds 24 seven. Like I've never met anyone quite like it. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that project. Yeah. I, I met with a few people and even funds that are now getting into play to earn. And I think there's this really interesting bifurcation between play to earn and play and earn. <laughs> and, and it's a subtle, a subtle nuance, um, I will say, but I'm so interested in how the community is kind of approaching all these different uh, kind of games. And I really, really liked the physically backed toy concept here because, you know, what was the name of that one? I forgot the name of that NFT that, was it ka kaiju, kaiju, something like that? Crypto that, that kaiju project. or something? Yeah, crypto kaiju. Yeah. I remember that was one of the the first like concepts that I'd seen with a really cool kind of anime themed doll toy that, that went with the NFT. And we we don't quite realize, or at least myself, I, I don't really realize how much of an opportunity there is in just that space alone, just collectibles. <laughs> it, it, it's often, I forget about how, how much money is in these collectibles for movies, for all the IPs all over the world, making collections. Uh, it's just, it's huge. Billions. Yeah. I mean, I was just at, um, I, I went to two conventions these past two weekends. I went to complex con, which is like an arts and streetwear and culture festival and then I went to DesignerCon this past weekend. And um, that same business, uh, the, the Invasion Toys uh, that I'm invested in, had a booth at DesignerCon, but both conventions had a heavy, heavy NFT presence. I mean, Coinbase had its own gallery, NFT gallery at ComplexCon. Mm -hmm. People were lined up for miles just to get a free Fawocious NFT. And like, 
a ton of artists approached us at DesignerCon, like, how do I start making my own NFTs? Um, so the collection, the collectible, like art toy world is a hundred percent crossing over the streetwear world is a hundred percent crossing over into uh, the metaverse. And obviously games are just a natural part of the metaverse already. So this is all just a natural progression, in my opinion, toward what's inevitable, which is just the dominance of, of NFTs. I like to think in New York, I went to uh, Metaverse's experience, Dreamverse, and it was like this kind of uh, immersive art music festival uh, show. And it really hit me while I was there. And there was like VR, AR, all these different NFTs on scrolling displays and things like that. It, it really opened my eyes to how many industries this is actually going to flip upside down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> going to that. And I'm sure that ComplexCon was similar for you in that you just see all the places that this tech is about to just completely revolutionize. Yeah, it's it's truly remarkable, and and you're working on some stuff uh, in the space in the NFT space, right? Um, tell me a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, right now, I'm laser focused on the metaverse, and I think that this first stage of these PFP projects, and for everybody listening that isn't familiar with that, it was basically these generative projects that generated ten thousand NFTs. And a lot of them, like what Nick mentioned, the Bored Apes are probably the most well-known, CryptoPunks, CyberKongs, these big, uh, big communities. People started collecting these different, these profile pictures, essentially, and they were avatars. So you own the rights to these. You own the commercial rights and you can reuse them however you see fit. And I, I realized that the next progression of, all right, I have this image that represents me as a unique human being. It's a self-identification piece on social media as my profile picture. What's the next stage here? Well, what's, what do I do with this item afterwards? And the metaverse, as we've seen with our boy Zuck coming out with meta, um, <laughs> and we're, we're seeing that this is the, the logical next step for us being immersed within technology. We started with text, video, and now we're going to get that piece that is um, proximity to each other. So in the metaverse, me and Nick are standing right next to each other. We're looking at each other uh, through a browser or through a headset of some kind. And me and him can actually feel that we're next to each other. Instead of just being two voices on either side, we can actually feel that connection. So I view this as the next 20 years is, is a, an adventure of starting with NFTs through ownership where you can actually own it and then jump into things like the sandbox, Decentraland, and Somnium Space and, and CryptoVoxels, I think are, are still working uh, to try and get um, some market share. But for the most part, it's sandbox is what I see as the winner um, right now. And I think that it's just the next phase and that's kind of how I view it. And I've really tried to position this weekly event sandstorm that takes place from inside the metaverse of the sandbox. And I've tried to position it so that we highlight builders, creators, artists, and people that are just the silent heroes, the ones that are, they're sitting behind the screen, hustling, 
Um, and we don't really hear about them very much, but they are the ones literally writing the future of the metaverse. And I really wanted to highlight them and in this weekly meetup event, and it's quickly become the biggest metaverse meetup. You know, we had a bunch of press during NFT NYC hit because we were, you know, inside the sandbox alpha before many people could even get in. It's been cool. Got like 24,000 people to subscribe uh, to the to the newsletter. They're all eager to get in. And Sandbox came out today and said they're launching on the 29th in alpha for three weeks, which is epic. Um, but I, yeah, I, liked, I liked what you did on Wax, though, because you touched on it with the gas fees. Oh, my God. I, I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a clear issue that needs to be solved with, with gas. It it is absurd right now, but first of all, that that's awesome, dude. Like, congratulations on building it up so quickly. Um, I definitely want to get in there myself. Um, And I think that that's just the tip of the iceberg for what you'll be able to do as more people become aware of, of the metaverse and how these things interact with one another and how many, as you said, how many different verticals these, this technology can touch. It's, it's basically, infinite you know it's like it's just a a long deep rabbit hole that is really exciting to explore but yeah man i mean what's going on like what is up with eth right now <laughs> it's like <laughs> in eth you know i'm i've been in eth since it launched you know um so I, i'm definitely a diehard fan this is crazy it's like yeah. i feel like you know 1559 came out and we're becoming deflationary, which is crazy and, and awesome. But at the same time, you know, the minor extracted value thing is like a huge incentive for these miners to front run all the, all the big transactions. And now that they don't have the fees incentivizing them, it almost feels like, it almost feels like we took a step backward, to be honest, with ETH, uh, with, with 1559, um, which I hate to say. And I'm, I'd probably get flamed for this, but <laughs> it, yeah, I got, I got to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of issues and a great example of this was I was in, I'm actually wearing this shirt right now. I was in NFT NYC. There was a, a party um, for a company called uh, House of Kiba. And they were also working with, um, I believe it was called Tools of Rock. And they're building in the sandbox. The sandbox team was there. And I had literally had just gone to get something to eat while they went to the party. And I needed an NFT to get in. All, all these parties in, in New York, you needed to you know, show proof that you had the NFT, just similar to you know, getting into a metaverse experience. You need you need to show proof of, of ownership, right? So yeah, I go I go onto my phone to buy one of these NFTs, and I was like, oh cool, all right, it's a hundred dollars for the NFT price. Right then, the floor price was at that, and I was like, awesome. I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy this and go to the party. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna show off my NFT. Gas was two hundred and fifty dollars. I had to make up my mind, like, okay, how bad do I want to go into this party right now? Do I, right, three fifty. I mean, whew. yeah, yeah. And and if it was just the NFT itself, I would it would have been a breeze. I'd been like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to be able to show it off. It's going to be awesome. But two and a half times the cost of the asset itself. 
to purchase it. Just in that moment, I was like, okay, Polygon, it's happening. It has to happen in order for gaming, especially uh, to, to really take the reins for, for mass adoption with this stuff. I, I just, I don't see another scenario playing out without an L2 helping <laughs> we were $250 and and polygon works really well arbitrum i've been playing around with that as well like there's there are solutions but you know they do introduce a, a level of friction that does require a bit more education you know we know about this stuff i'll hop across like 10 different rpcs a day just you know in my daily routine yeah that's not necessarily a common knowledge thing um so we just got to keep pushing out the information and and hopefully people will will start to learn and maybe ETH 2.0 will fix it, you know, but we don't know when that's coming. So until then, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the L2s. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've seen some good news around Polygon and stuff like that with Sandbox, um, you know, working on the different assets. And I do, you know, have a direct line to Sebastian and those guys over there. And I talk to them regularly, talk to their CFO, their head of marketplace, stuff like that. And I'm always really interested in how we're going to combat this because everybody is on ETH. You know, I mean, I enjoy Wax and play around with it on a regular basis. Obviously, Stash and Ken Bozak are, are my friends and, and, and they're big in, in Wax. And yeah. um, I'm a believer in Wax, but everyone is on ETH. I mean, everything is on there. So yep. what do you think in terms of the, the L2 that, which one's going to make it to, to give me, give me the alpha, <laughs> give me the alpha, Nick. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Polygon seems to have the, well, I, th I think they have the biggest market share right now. So they probably have the best chance just from visibility standpoint. Um, and it works perfectly. The only difficulty is you got, you have to get Matic in order to do anything on it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's the same with all of them. It's the same with Arbitrum and, and all the rest. Um, I think if there was a, but obviously my, my bet would be on Matic just to put that out there. But if there was something that worked more like stacks, which is what block stack just rebranded to where it does use the L one for basically all of the um, securing of the transactions. So you don't necessarily need gas in the token. Um, that could be huge, but I guess that that just brings us back to the same issue of <laughs> of the gas. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is, man. It's like we just have to make the the L two coins, the L two tokens, more accessible. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, it, it looks like Matic is probably the easiest one to get. I think it's on KuCoin and some of the big ones. So, pretty much everybody should be able to access that. So one of the fun things about having a conversation like this is you've been through a previous uh, run and you got to see the the euphoria and then the blood in the water. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I think I'd love to get your perspective on it and then I'll, I'll have some uh, shine some of my perspective on it as well. But what are your thoughts on where we're at in terms of the the cycle and just in general with nfts in crypto at large you know what are your thoughts first of all anybody who tells you they absolutely know is just wrong <laughs> but <laughs> if i was to give a perspective on it 
I'd say, you know, probably toward the end of Q1, um, we'll start to see. I don't know if we'll ever see like the crazy 90, 80 to 90% drops mm-hmm. again, um, just because there's so much institutional money at play. But still, we do have the ability now to short Bitcoin basically on the stock market. So they can play the game whichever way they want because their game isn't to make Bitcoin valuable. It's to make money, right? Um, so the whole institutional money thing is somewhat of a misnomer, but I still think there are enough proponents of Bitcoin with big money in that that will help to support it. Um, that said, you know, I think we will see another extended bear. Um, but I, I can't pinpoint the exact moment it'll happen, but I, I think it'll be, you know, toward the end of Q1, if I had to guess. And I will echo that as well. Um, I think that's virtually exactly what I've been telling friends and family and stuff like that, uh, because I do believe that, you know, anyone who says there isn't going to be an extended bear market just doesn't understand how markets work. And I think that the the pullback amount, nobody knows, no one should know. <laughs> like <laughs> Nick said, if anybody's telling you they're, uh, this is exactly what's going to happen, just hang up or just unsubscribe <laughs> because that's not, um, nobody knows what what's going to happen, but I will echo Q1. Um, and I, I think that it's very important for new people that are coming into the space to understand that it is uh, natural. It's a progression and uh, just be, be prepared for, for whatever, whatever makes it so that you can survive another two or three years in the space. So you can work in the space, Nick and myself are very fortunate in that we have, you know, built, built careers in this industry over the past few years. And that's just from managing risk, making sure that we're able to keep the lights on and, (laughs) and stay afloat. I think that's, that's my two cents for, for where we're at. Uh, in terms of the the sort of euphoric cycle and leverage, I don't think it was leverage around in 2017. This, this may seem like a goofy question, but I don't, I don't not to the extent it is today. I mean, I'm trying to remember when BitMEX launched. Yeah, because it may have been around that time. I don't. I don't. Let me look it up real quick. BitMEX. Yeah, because it, it is not anywhere near where it's at. Uh, today, I mean, that's where these big kind of breakneck downward and upward days come from. <laughs> wow. So, so BitMEX launched in 14, actually, but it really didn't, it didn't have any uh, leverage until 16. So it probably didn't gain really popularity until 17 or 18. Yeah. Cause that was, um, that's where we're going to see these big extensions, uh, I think in, in terms of the all these leverage leverage traders out there getting wrecked or, or winning either way. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a rough game to play. I mean, especially if you're, you know, 50 X leveraged or hundred X leveraged um, you'll lose everything. You'll lose your yeah. house. You know, it's gambling at that level. I don't, I don't know any institutional traders who trade with that much leverage. Like 10 X is, is insane to them, you know, <laughs> and they, and they know what they're doing. And that goes for everybody listening. You do not have to use leverage by any means. (laughs) Anybody out there that's saying that you have to use that, once again, 
smash that unsubscribe button to anybody saying that. Um, it is a a dangerous game when you're new to the space, you don't understand all the different intricacies that go into using leverage when you can literally just hold and outperform the majority of all of wall street <laughs> literally <laughs> just sit there it's so simple <laughs> just just buy dca you know dollar cost average and have horizons that you want to hit you know and stick to those no matter what and you'll do really well <laughs> yeah it's it's really the simplest thing well, those are uh, those are all the catch-up points that I had. I mean, we touched on a ton there. The Divi update. We went into NFTs. Went into the metaverse. We went into uh, the magic and evil of leverage or <laughs> 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 horizons. Anything else you wanted to to throw in there, Nick? No, man. Um, I really appreciate the conversation. We should do this way more often. I don't know why we don't. Yeah, uh, we just should. I know our, our schedules are are crazy, but yeah, we should try to make it happen more often. Yeah. And I, I feel, I feel the same way in that not to toot our own horns or anything, but I do wish that there were people that have seen as much as uh, yourself and myself, uh, give myself a pat on the back right now, but just seeing all the things that have come and gone through the ICO boom and bust and the craziness uh, that, that really happened. Um, and now with NFTs and everything just inflating, I really think there's value behind just simple conversation around what's happening. Um, from, Absolutely. From- yeah. Well, okay. So you guys know what to do. Um, obviously, you know where to find us online at Divi Project <laughs> across all the social medias, DiviProject.org, blog.DiviProject.org for the show notes. 